0: holiness podcast i'm michael kidwell
1: and i'm mike kidwell
0: so today um you wanted to talk about revival correct dad
1: yeah we're gonna talk about what's been going on in and around the united states and all around the world really but before we do i kind of wanted to talk about along the lines of what's going on in a baseball game um when you look at seventh inning or an eighth inning and you get people that turn their rally caps on, um, turn hats inside out. Um, we've got teams around the United States that have rally monkeys and different kind of rally chants. And you really look, Michael, throughout of all of baseball, and there has always been a time and a place for rallying the baseball team, kind of getting behind them, and the crowd cheers louder. They maybe get on their feet and get excited. And, um, really, all an effort to spurn on the performance of the team. so I don't know uh, if you want to tell us some of your experiences with um rallies and and how that really has affected your play or not affected your play and and then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I mean, um, one thing that like really comes to mind when it when we talk about this is our men's softball team and how um, when one person hits, and it usually always seems to happen when we have two outs. Mm-hmm. And so one person hits, gets on base, next person hits, gets on base, and it just keeps going and going. And then the energy just keeps feeding off of the next person and feeding off the next person to when we're – um. Like that one game we played this season that we ended up winning by a point. We were down by almost 10 at one point in that game.
1: Yeah, I think we were down by 10.
0: And and then we rallied in the very last inning and ended up winning that game by one run. So, I mean, it's energy feeding off of energy. Um, people really getting behind each and every batter whenever it comes to fans or just the other players. Um, so, I mean, it's just feeding feeding off of each other.
1: You know, in, in sports, is, it shows two very different dichotomies in athletes. Um, sports can be very team-oriented and um, really uplift each other on the team and um, teams that, that work the best together feed off um, selfless acts of giving up yourself for the team to build the team up. But then there's also um, players and that, that are in football, baseball, basketball, softball, no matter where you're at, there's players that are really just worried about their stats and, and hitting right, home right. runs and, you know, get getting what they can get instead of looking for the um, benefit of the team. But, Whenever we've had our best rallies in softball, it's always been wrapped around um, guys just trying to extend at bats and get on base any way they can for the next guy. So he could do something, too, because there's no there's no way that in one swing of the bat you could score 10 runs. Right. So you have to um, really work as a team and and kind of build off each other's performances and um, plate appearances. And, you know, we, we look at that, we've scored, um, it, while we've played men's softball, there's been innings that we've scored 11, we've scored 16 in one inning, um, we've had 10 run innings, and we, we've, all of those have one thing in common, and it was guys were getting on base with base hits, with walks, with um, doubles, Um, but, but nobody was really swinging for the fence. Everybody was just trying to get on base for the next guy. Right. And, um, that selfless play is what really gets you to, um, the win at the end of the day. A lot of times we can get up there and we, we start focusing on, oh yeah, I want to hit a home run today. And in those times that you want to hit a home run, a lot of times you hit into a bunch of outs. Right. Right. And, um, you know, it doesn't always go over the fence the way you want it to. So th- those times that we're selfless in the way we play, um, we see huge benefits and we see a lot of runs scored. And it's, you know, really the same way if you look at um, the Astros in their best performances in the World Series, series that they have won. Um, they've really just strung big rallies along mm-hmm. by giving up themselves selflessly. You know, not trying to do too much, but just trying to extend the inning any way they can. If it's a bunt, they'll do it. If it's a um, sacrifice, sacrifice fly, they'll do it. If it's a ground ball to move over a, a player, I um, mean, they're down for whatever it is to benefit the team at that time. And that's what really makes them a good baseball team. The right. S- the selfless play of the players.
0: And it... Not just with the bat, too. In the World Series, I mean, um, when the Astros were playing in Philly, and Chaz McCormick went for that fly ball to center field and went face first into the wall and fell and still made the catch. Yeah. And then we came up to bat, and I think we scored two runs that inning.
1: You know, and then you even look at the pitching performances by Justin Verlander at the end of the season, and there was – there was no hitters that he was taking into late innings, and he didn't go out of the game kicking and screaming, but he allowed the manager to put other players in in his place, other pitchers, to perform at a high level as well, um, even though he had a no-hitter going. You know, a lot of pitchers, they're like, no, that's my game. You know, I'm I'm pitching no-hitter, there's no way you can take me out, but um, it seems like up and down the lineup, whether it's offense or defense or really pitching, the Astros have the ability to play selflessly, and because of that, um, they've won some World Series and and because of that also they they have created a culture of learning, of training, and of building up young players, and this right. is something that we can take into the spiritual because we see a move of God right now sweeping across the land that is um, very young people-based. It's very um, much so that young people have a hunger and a thirst for God. And it's going to take the selfless play of some of us that have been there and done that to help really um, cultivate what the Spirit is doing inside them right now. Because there's going to be a time where all this is kind of, you know, dies down. And there's going to need to be some discipleship and some training and some building up of young people all over the world that needs to happen. And, and I think that right. that's the shame part of a lot of movements that God has is, you know, that there's a lot of salvations. There's a lot of people that come with repentant hearts. But then afterwards, there's not a lot of discipleship. There's not a lot of people laying down their life selflessly to build up the kingdom of god and especially there's not a lot of people building up those that are young right and i'm talking about you know people in their 20s and younger um you, you see the the move of god just really um sprang across all the area with this age group um young adults and teenagers and the, you know the the thing that we see whether it be here in the united states we see what's going on in asbury Um, there's stuff going on in Mexico, there's stuff going on, um, in Uganda, there's stuff really going on all over the world. And it's been a mighty move of God through the young people. And it's not just young people alone, but it's very heavy towards that age group that the spirit of God is moving in. And, and the common denominator that I'm seeing with all of these is the, the, um, the hunger for these young people to give up of themselves and their current lifestyles Mm -hmm. and live a life for God. Um, They're very hungry for repentance and they're, they're willing to shed lifestyles. They're willing to shed things that, that the devil has put as distractions and um, really sell out with the heart of God. And um, you know, I I was pulling some young people not too long ago, Michael, um, probably a handful of young people. I I asked some some questions, and I, I asked them why they thought it was that a lot of young people now don't don't have a um uh, a longing for corporate prayer. And some some of them said, you know, it's because they're bored. Um, those things are are boring, which is not a selfless attitude to have. And some said, you know, there's too many distractions in their way so um that they, they can't um really focus on on what God's you know has for them or some of them even told me that you know it's just the self discipline that they don't have yet that they're really wanting God to move in their life and i don't know about you but um every time that i've seen God move um In my life and in anybody else's life, it's been on the backs of prayer.
0: Right. And you asked me the same thing. And so my answer was a lot of people my age don't see the power in prayer. And a lot of people my age will pray in the bad, but won't also pray in the good. Whenever there's something wrong or whenever we need something, we... Turn to God, but we don't always turn to God even when things are going right.
1: Yeah, and that's really kind of like a um a lifesaver mentality, you know, where you know, when things get real bad and calling on the name of God, but you know that um God wants to be relational with us each and every day. He wants to have a relationship with us and he wants us to see the fruits of our prayer each and every day. And a lot of times they're right there in front of us and we just are so distracted that we don't even see what God's doing in our midst. And, mm-hmm. you know, what you said is so true as well, because there's a lot of people that I know that um, are my age and even older that have um, seen God do some miraculous things in their life. And that's really cool. But a lot of them, their testimony of that miraculous um, things that God has done, is not something that they're sharing with everybody. You know, it's something they kind of sit on. I mean, they'll, they'll share it in casual conversation, but really the young people need to know what God has done, um, in our lives. And he, they really need to know that there is power behind prayer and they need to see the the fruits of it. Um, so I, I think a lot of it's it's not one thing that you can put your hand on and say, you know what, this is the reason why people don't pray as much as they should. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, the thing that it boils down to is selfishness and selflessness. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way God is going to move in the hearts of his people is if they come to him broken, surrendered, selflessly looking for him to move. Right. And they have to move out of the way for him to do that. And there's not a, a lot of people that are willing to do that. If you look in Psalms fifty-one seventeen, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, it says, The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I bow down humbly at your feet. So you look at that and really, God finds pleasure in our broken hearts, our shattered hearts before him. And he, he wants to see us selflessly come to him and give up everything so he can do a work. And if you look in Matthew 3, 8, Jesus is talking to um the Pharisees and he's telling him, he said, you must prove your repentance by a changed life. We're looking for fruits Of repentance you Mm -hmm. know you ask God to forgive you and you truly repent in your heart that means that you're moving away from that sin you're not going back to do it any longer right you're actually taking the steps that it's going to take to get that sin completely out of your life no matter what that is going to be and we're all really um young people that I've talked to are hungry for this move of god for the move of the spirit um and they're really crying out for it like a rally cry that you'd see in a baseball game or a football game mm-hmm. and um they they really want to see god move on their behalf they want to see some runs scored if if you will um but whenever it's all said and done at the end of the day they're asking for it but they're not you know, if you look at a fan in a baseball game, they're standing up, they got their hands raised, they're just going crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, we have the request, but we don't have the action behind it. Um, I I don't I don't see a lot of people that are uh, hungry enough yet that they're um, jumping up and down for for God to do something in their life. They're not ready to shed all the selfishness and and let God do something. Really, really big.
0: Yeah, and I saw this post someone made on social media where they were talking about how sports fans, um, if they were to give Christ the same passion they gave to sports, how uh, awesome of a movement that would make. Because us Astros fans, you know, as um, they play throughout the summer. When the roof is open and you're going to an Astros game, even with the AC pumping, it is hot. And you're sitting and it's muggy, but yet you're still cheering on your team. But yet when you come to church, you sit through worship, you don't participate, you have your Bible, but you kind of turn to it but you don't actually read along and so if you were to give the same effort you did when it came to cheering on your team with your walk in christ you would see a revival
1: but michael don't you see that that would take laying some things down yeah it would it would it would take some selfless living instead of just that consumption mentality you know um we, we look at what God desires and he desires a broken heart. He desires repentance and he doesn't want us just to repent one time. He wants us to live a life of repentance. He wants us to constantly own up to our mistakes and then make steps to move away from that mistake and not do it any longer. And Mm -hmm. that's living a life of repentance. But instead of that sacrificial living, we, we really live a selfish life of consumption. You know, we're it's me, me, me. What can I get? What can I get? What can how can I feed, entertain? What can I do? You know, it's on to the next thing, and our attentions are very short because of the drench of social media and electronics. Right. And I don't think that God's going to move in um, this generation until we start laying those things down, mm-hmm. um, those idols that have we that we've put before Him and really made them more important. Um, it would, Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter, um, TikTok and all the other ones, Be Real, all, all these things are not bad in moderation, but I think what we're seeing now is these people are living their false life on camera mm-hmm. um, because they don't know the image of Christ that they're made in. Right. So they're trying to pose for the world as a superficial person instead of realizing their true identity in Christ and what he's done for them and, um, who, who they really are. I mean, you, you look at what, what these, these people that are constantly posting pictures on, um, social media, they're looking for their likes. They're looking for their, the shares and, and the comments. And really we should just be happy with, God being pleased with us, Mm -hmm. not the world being pleased with us. Um, But that's not going to happen until we're ready to selflessly give up these idols that we've placed in our life. And um, I I pray that there's people that are ready to do that. I I pray that there's a rally cry that will spread across this land that people are broken enough that they fall to their knees in repentance and ask God to do some major things in their life. And, and I think as they start repenting and as they start moving away from those things and they earnestly seek God in prayer, mm-hmm. that God's going to do some mighty things. And I know that he is ready and he is capable. And, um, you know, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. We're the only ones that change. And so uh, I'm praying that there would be a change in the posture of our heart towards selflessly serving him instead of selfishly consuming ourselves with this world.
0: Right. And there's also been an um an attitude of um where I see people s- that have seen the Asbury Revival on social media and stuff like that and they're like, "Well, it's only it's only going to happen there." Like it, that'll never happen here. The people here would never do something like that. And that attitude needs to be thrown out. Like, it can happen anywhere. And even if it has to start with just one person, it can happen anywhere. And so, it, it doesn't need to be a us versus them type of thing. It needs to be, if they can do it, I can do it.
1: Well, we don't need to be trying to one up somebody else's revival, right? God's going to do a unique work in each and every person's heart. There's not something, um, there's there's nothing a move of God that you can duplicate, and we shouldn't be trying to do that. We shouldn't be trying to copycat what they're doing and trying to figure out this perfect formula mm-hmm. um, to to see what what, what God's going to do, and it, we should just come and take care of business on our own in our own hearts. Um, I, I want to read Michael out of Acts because Acts um really is the, it, it starts the birth of the church. In um, Acts 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost um was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Now, all these disciples were gathered in one place and they were earnestly pl- praying day after day after day because Jesus ascended into heaven and he said, pray until you receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're in there having a knock-down, drag-out prayer meeting. They're not worried about what anybody's thinking. They're not worried about what's going to be next. I think a lot of times we get distracted because we, we're like five minutes into prayer, and we're like, you know, that there's this I got to do, and this I got to do, and this I want to do, and this that I could do. And we, we forget that the time that we have with the Lord is more important. Right. And in verse 2 of chapter 2 It says, Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now at the same time were Jewish worshipers who had emigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem, and when the people of the city heard roaring sound, crowds came running to, to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in other languages. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all galileans so how is it that they hear that we hear them speaking in our language we are northeastern iranians northwestern iranians elamites Alem, and those from mesopotamia judea east central turkey the coastal areas of the black sea asia north central turkey southern turkey egypt libyans who are neighbors from assyrian visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. There's nobody that can do that without the Holy Spirit. Right. There's nobody that can speak in all these languages from all these people that were coming from all over the place because um, God was about to move, and he really was posturing people's hearts for that. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that can make that stuff up or create that on their own. We need to move the holy spirit and if you if we go back to the beginning, it started with the disciples throwing everything away and praying right earnestly praying until they received the Holy Spirit, and God answered their prayers by moving in them in a mighty way. And then we see how the early church um, began and just grew and grew and grew because of that mighty move of the Spirit. If you look at Jesus and all the miracles that he performed, almost every time before he performed a miracle, he had had gone away in private and spent some time in prayer. Mm -hmm. Even he understood being God, fully man, all at the same time, even he understood the importance of prayer. And I pray that we would selflessly give up of ourselves, repent of all the things that we've done that have, um, really put God second place, third place, fourth place in our life, and and position our hearts to receive from Him in a mighty way. And I know that He'll move in our behalf if we can just get out of His way.
0: Mm-hmm. And with that, we'll. Um... Close with prayer. So I mean, if you want revival, it's gonna take obedience. And after obedience, it's gonna take humbling yourself. Um, I mean, I'm pretty that's pretty much the two big things we've talked about because the disciples first had to be obedient to what the Lord told them, and then they had to humble themselves and actually do what they were being told. Yeah. Because I mean, he said, "Pray without ceasing," and I mean,
1: and and you know we can put that real quick, Michael, into the connotation of right now, today in church. We have church going on all across the nation tomorrow. A lot of people are going to hear a lot of sermons from a lot of pastors. Mm-hmm. But how many people are going to put that sermon into action? How many actually going to put that sermon into obedience? Mm-hmm. And I would challenge those of you that are listening, the to let God. Rule those times that you have with him, and not let anything distract you. It's going to take a while to discipline your mind to be disciplined,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's going to happen through prayer. And you're going to have to put away all the distractions. You're not going to have to say, you know what, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to keep my phone near me. You can't do that. You you can't say, you know what, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to set a timer. Just just go to your prayer closet and get lost and let God move.
0: Right, and so. Let's let's close in prayer. So, Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for everything that um, you revealed to us through this. Lord God, I just pray that um, we'll be able to humble ourselves, Lord God, that we'll be able to um, pray without ceasing like the disciples did. Lord God, I do pray for a movement of your spirit across the land, Lord God, and I just pray that you would start with us that we would start in our bedroom, we would start at work, we would start wherever we're at, that we would be able to just pray without ceasing and just to dive into what you have for us. And Lord God, I just pray for everybody that's listening that you would bless them and you would be with them. In your name I pray, amen.
1: Father God, I also pray that you'd move people to a heart of repentance. I pray that they wouldn't just ask you for forgiveness and go back to what they were doing. But Father God, I pray that you would posture us all with a heart of repentance that wants to move away from that that has separated us from you. Mm -hmm. And Father God, in doing that, I just pray that you would move us closer and closer to you each and every day. Let us be those that duplicate your image and put you on display for the world to see. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: And with that, This is a Pitch Towards Holyness. I'm Michael Kidwell. And I'm Mike Kidwell. Thank you for listening.